0: This is Imaginator's Way. Each week, we'll delve into the topics that inspire and challenge us. We'll share our latest projects and share the tools and strategies that we use to bring our imaginative creations to life. So whether you're an artist, a single or happily married parent, an entrepreneur, or just looking to make positive changes in your life, join us on Imaginator's Way as we discover the possibilities of the human mind and spirit.
1: We are your hosts, Robin and Brad. I'm Robin, a certified life coach, I'm a mom, I'm an author, and an accidental artist. As an imaginator, I combine my passion for psychology, behavior, and self-improvement with my creative skills and wild imagination as I continue my own journey of self-discovery.
0: And I'm Brad. I'm a strategic communicator and professional brand strategist with a career in marketing and traditional advertising and a talent for creative problem-solving and a love for building magical things. We are brother and sister with distinctly unique personalities, perspectives, and skill sets. And when we collaborate, we think it's pretty magical.
1: Welcome to Imaginator's Way, the podcast that explores the intersection of creativity and discovery, building a better life by becoming a better you.
0: When we left you last, we were discussing uh, Robert's experience in Kansas City and just the brief overview, uh, Robin. You're going through a divorce, a potentially ugly divorce, or at least not so much ugly. But you know, your expectations were this is going to be tough.
1: I think I think the thing that's most important to uh, point out about my experience was, you know, it was awful for me, and um, for reasons that are really known just to me. Just like everybody's experience, personally, sure. And I, I tend to not spend too much time focusing on the ins and outs of why or how it happened because...
0: That's personal. I mean, yeah, it's...
1: well, the truth is it does a disservice to the experience. The bottom line is it was one of the most challenging times of my life. And the result of my time in Firefly Forest and the choices I made at that time really helped me understand why our challenges, my challenges in this case, can be what I call bittersweet, like painful. I don't think any of us would ever step into the challenges that stretch us in the most personal ways. But the fact of the matter is we will all face something like that multiple times in our life. And it's not gonna be negotiable. We, we all get to experience something like that. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to allow those challenges, especially the ones that feel like they are going to swallow us whole, to refine us or define us? I'm very grateful for that time, even though it was difficult and many people suffered as a result of a divorce. But today, I have a great appreciation for that experience. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be the person I am today without having that experience.
0: And I've often said to many, cause I've, I also have um, experienced um, that, the big D divorce, um, but I've, I've always said to people who are struggling, having trouble who come to me and say, you know, tell me about your experience, you know, give me some advice, what should I do? And I, I every single time I say, you know what, I, I can't, I can, I can tell you about my experience. I can tell you how it affected me i can tell you what i did about it i can tell you the kinds of people i spoke to and you know maybe advice that i was given and the advice that i took Mm -hmm. but at the end of the end of the day the one thing i will say to everybody is you will never know what lay what lie ahead until you're there and what's gonna well what if i get divorced what if you get divorced What's there? I I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, and you and you can't predict it either. The only way to know is once you get there, you say, "Oh, that's what he wasn't talking about." <laughs> you know, that's that's it. But I, I love your statement, and it's one it's one of my favorite statements. You've said this occasionally over the years. It's it's the refining, defining element, yeah. right? Does it refine you, or does it define you? Yeah. How do how do we know?
1: I love that because um, it's very empowering. How how do we determine if an experience a challenge, challenges, a challenge will refine us versus define us? It very much is a choice. For sure. It does not mean that the circumstances change. It does not mean that there's justice or fairness or an outcome that you would have selected if given the opportunity. It means you recognize the experience you have or are having has value in it. Now, what is it gonna be? What is it gonna look like? And how are you gonna use that moving forward in a way that is strengthening and empowering? And in that regard, we can all make those decisions when we're ready.
0: Yep, love that. So you answered kind of the first question that I was gonna ask you uh, when we were talking about this forest, this Kansas City experience that you had going through your divorce. You've got two young teenage boys. You're fairly new to Kansas City. Uh, you've uh, moved, you know, uh, kind of through career moves, you know, as as your husband, ex-husband, um, you know, was, you know, kind of finding his place in the world. You were doing that and you're currently finding yourself in Kansas City. Uh, if you listen to the last episode, you, um, anybody will understand a little bit better about what this forest experience, this tree experience is. Uh, so if you haven't, if you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to the first episode. It introduces us, but introduces this concept. But what I was going to ask you to start this conversation off was: did this concept, this this, this new experience for you, did it, did it get it, did you name it?
1: Oh yes, I named it the first night I was on the trail. And the fireflies just kind of swarmed around me. It in that moment, and still, which
0: is magical in and of itself. It if, if, if for those of you who haven't <laughs> seen or experienced the, you know, fireflies, that's magical. That's wonderment right there.
1: Yeah, they're delightful. And um, in that moment, and still to this day, that forest became firefly forest. And I'm a, I'm a big believer. Like I. I don't know why, but I seem to name everything that I come across. And um, if you're going to name something, you may as well make a sign for it. And so I did. And I went and planted a sign in the middle of the night. So you literally
0: labeled this forest firefly forest. Is that right? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) And I don't know. They allowed those signs to stay up for the longest time. Um, You know, it was always a risk. Anything you, I, I used to explain to their like, Recognize that anything that we're willing to put out into this forest may have a life elsewhere. You know, there were times where we would come and we would discover that someone had taken some important aspect of a scene, you know, a a teapot or something that he felt very connected to. And He, your son? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I just, I felt this way and I tried to share with him, like, if somebody needs it more... They were meant to have it, and we just simply became the facilitators for that. Even when we had moments, and there were just a, just a few, but moments of vandalism where there was destruction to some of the things that we put out, the same was true then. You know, you really had to keep a certain sense of humor about the whole experience. Otherwise, it became a completely different experience. And fortunately, if they hurt
0: your things, they'd hurt your feelings, right? If you, right.
1: I mean, I never really looked at it like that, but you know, in a different environment and in a different time, I'm sure I would have, Mm -hmm. it's just in that moment, I was able to really have a very different and appreciative experience, not just with the forest for me, not just with the things that we were creating together, but also with the way others chose to interact. And so
0: I- that's that's a perfect that's the next thing I want to talk about. So you've got you've got five or six well-established trees all with
1: their own out in
0: their own in their own way. They're different, I'm sure, because every tree is different. They right? have
1: addresses and mailboxes and all sorts of defining features. Okay, so now
0: you so now you've developed these trees. Right. You've added mailboxes. You've added addresses. You you've added all of them have a door and they're they're now taking on their very own unique life, like the tree they are. Right. right. Everybody's uh, you know responding to them and and appreciating them differently. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Now your son is involved. Are both sons
1: involved now? No, my okay. older son was way too cool for that. He okay. Well, in in high school. Yeah,
0: we understand that, yeah. and everybody listening understands that as well. Yeah. So, um, so now it's taking on a new life. So, and you're and, and you're getting notes. Yes. You're you're now getting messages. You right. got one. You've and which you've saved and and discussed briefly, but now you're getting messages. Speak to the messages.
1: Those also became just a delightful part of my day that I looked forward to. But also, you know, there was this this aspect of I didn't want to create trash in the forest. And so because I was the instigator of this, I also felt some ownership as it related to keeping things tidy. So I didn't just want, you know pieces of paper blowing through the forest. And so, you know, I would go and I would clean up. As
0: well intentioned as they were that you didn't want it to become an eyesore or whatever.
1: Right. And so, you know, or people would bring things like, you know, something that decomposed, like a piece of fruit as an offering for whomever lived at that tree. And so it was cute for a day. But if it was going to decompose, of course, I would clean that up.
0: But it also it also created a sense of, of real life. Like, right? Hey, I'm going to leave you an apple. Well, yeah. that apple's now gone. Yes,
1: and so it was extraordinarily interactive. And yes, I, I actually did that. When they left a piece of fruit, I ate, you know, made it look like half the <laughs> right. fruit had been eaten. Or I would put little footsteps, footprints uh-huh. in, in and around the trees. The ideal was to create a sense of, I just missed it. Oh my goodness! Sure. I just missed yeah. whomever it is that lives here, and you know that was another really interesting thing. Often, you know, fire—I guess fairies have become associated with me, but the truth is, um, it was actually very important to me because I saw very quickly how people were interacting with this experience. And some people thought they were fairies and some people thought they were brownies. Right, and right, And other right. people, you know, everybody just kind I've of... I've heard
0: gnomes. I've heard, yeah, little, you know, trolls and... For, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Sprites. It, and they
1: all had their idea of what it should be. And I loved that. I loved the idea of it. it is whatever they need it to be. Sure. And so because there's some, you know, I intentionally left things ambiguous because I loved that that created... An independent narrative that belonged to them. I did, loved it.
0: Did you start to see because you said that you would go out on the trail daily sometimes multiple times a day you'd collect these messages which I want to hear about here in a second but you'd collect these messages and you would you would as a an innocent bystander you would uh, witness the the interaction that these people are having with these these trees and doors and just and this imagination that they were taking on as well mm-hmm. were you seeing the same people?
1: Well, so yes, I started to see a lot of the same people. And by the way, you know, I ended up collecting thousands of notes. And the notes were very entertaining, very telling. You know, sometimes they were addressed to the Tooth Fairy or the Easter (laughs) Bunny or Father Christmas or whatever. I mean, it was just, they were endlessly entertaining.
0: Were they... Notes of communication were they notes of desperation? Sometimes were they notes?
1: They were. They were everything. They were questions, and they were childish, and they were hopeful, and they were hurtful, and you know, it literally was everything. I remember getting one that it, it was from somebody who was struggling with addiction, and they felt like it would be helpful to leave a note that they were really struggling with the substance they were abusing. They were talking
0: to somebody, but not talking to somebody specific. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and
1: I just thought, my goodness, what an interesting way to just interact with the universe, you know, desperately needing help and stating it, hoping that there would be some sort of response. And that was just one of many different kinds of pleas that Mm -hmm. I received in those notes. So I did notice that I would see the same kinds of people,
0: and when you say same kinds of people, like were were same type of people, like young, old, or when you say same, were they the same people?
1: Nope. On weekends, they were families, with oh, little kids, right, and it was it was pretty busy on the weekends, and so, but that was more of a family experience. Throughout the days, however. I saw something really amazing happen, and yes, the same visitors started to become very familiar to me, and nobody really interacted. It was more an acknowledgement, very passing, very brief. And over time, the more this this story came to life, those people who were there for something different, uh, it became very clear to me that they were there, because they were suffering too with something different. And I often relate that time because it really was unique to that time. It was almost as though I stepped into this space that was open. And it was open to healing. It was open to allowing me to have this experience for healing. And once that kind of came to life, it took its first breath, it's almost as though it became a light or started to send out like a clarion call or something, and it seemed to attract people who just were really hurting and just needed a place of peace. I always thought how interesting that was. Like, why? People suffer all day long in all parts of the world. Why, at this time, in this space, was it kind of a collective experience for those who were most in need? And I don't know that I have the answer to that. I just have an extreme gratitude for the fact that I got to experience it firsthand and it left me forever changed in 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 a way that when I'm suffering certainly I'm aware I'm suffering but when I'm not I'm also aware there are others around me at any given time who are in need of anything sometimes it's just a glance sometimes it's you know just a brief encounter but people need each other particularly in times of great suffering or distress yeah and i think the thing that i've discovered that we universally share is this belief that when we're there we are most certainly alone and it doesn't matter are we surrounded by people and
0: and we're the only one that's gone through this and how could anybody be in a place that we're at at this time right
1: and so those people on that trail at that time became What I always refer back to, um, as we were all walking on the same trail, feeling very isolated, alone.
0: All with very individual struggles and stories. Right. But all in the same place.
1: And the truth is, if we could just look up and reach out, we would find that we had, we were surrounded with people. Totally. Um, How different would it have been at that time? I, I don't know, but I've never forgotten it since... And truly, it shapes my behavior every single day. I'm not going to solve the world's problems, but what can I do today, now, in this environment, to at least attempt to see others? And how can I contribute, if not in a positive way, at least in not a negative way? I love
0: that. So all of these people are reaching out to you and communicating. Did you ever reach back?
1: Oh, sometimes, like on Saturdays when little kids were there and they were leaving notes, sometimes I would answer the notes and I would refer to something specific. I really liked your dinosaur shirt or something (laughs) like that. Um, A little girl left something because it was her birthday and asked if I would bring her something. And so I left her this beautiful little canvas wrapped acorn and told her the story about the acorn and why it's so important. And I happened to see her the day they found it. It was, just, it was just happenstance that I was there when they were, and I actually got to experience that. So that was really fun. Yeah, there were a variety of letters that I got that I felt like I had to answer, but mostly... With no
0: expectation that they would even no. see the answer, right? I mean, I mean, it's...
1: Yeah, you could never know. But I think the most meaningful letter that I responded to was the little owl, what became the little owl door.
0: The little owl door has kind of become a little iconic for you.
1: Oh, yeah. It's it's representative of so much. Right. But really, I was collecting letters, and the boys and I were going through them. And, and again, very happy time for me. I, it was always funny. There were actually two letters, and one was from clearly a sibling, and the other one was from a parent. And it just indicated that they had missed their child, who recently passed it was just this moment where I realized again that beyond my own suffering, others are suffering too, and it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be alone. and And so I I actually felt like okay, I'm gonna make a door. You know, I wanted to do something. I and then I actually hesitated. I made it, and then I held back for quite some time because I was really concerned about being respectful. I
0: yeah, they didn't ask you to reach out. They no, weren't looking no, no. for a response in any way. They were just—they were just really just expressing, right. kind of.
1: <laughs> and I connected to that, and I—I I just felt like, well, what can—what can anyone do for that? You know, there's nothing. There's nothing we can do. And that's what I thought to do, and so that's what I did. I sat on it for a while, just because I was very concerned about being offensive. I did not want that, and so. When I felt like it was okay, I I installed that door. It was a very cold, very cold day in Kansas in the middle of the winter, but nobody was on the trail because it was so icy. And we installed that door. And um, I learned later and was delighted when I learned that it became meaningful for their family. So I was I was glad to learn that.
0: But why? Why was this door? I mean, you're saying you installed the door. I mean, why? Why was it meaningful to the family? What?
1: Well, it's become known as, with me and others, um, it's called the little owl door. Mm -hmm. In, In their letter, they referred to the child as their little owl. Oh, I got it, yep. And what was interesting is, over the course of this entire experience, and you gotta know, it was only a year and a half. I mean, that's not a very long amount of time for this experience to unfold, and to see the kinds of things that I got to witness. One of those kind of miraculous or, I don't know, unexplainable things was we acknowledged this sweet little owl, and by the end of our experience there, there were three owls living in the trees in the
0: glade. That you had not pre... That were not there, or that you just I, didn't notice before I don't you know started? if
1: they were there. I had never heard them or seen them. Okay. And by the time we were done, I had heard... And seen and interacted with them. So it was just this like they were just whispers of reminders. What you're doing matters. Right. It's okay, you're not alone. I mean, it, it was the same message for me, for this little family, and for so many others who ended up finding a moment of peace there.
0: Yeah. And and it's it's actually a great story and it's told told in more depth in a little something we'll talk about later, but but I want you to uh, share the, the the creative side of this and some of the things that you did along the way, the things that you built and the the way you, the way that you you presented uh, the narrative that you you built like physically the creative that you put in this forest that is uh, just so people don't think oh this is a door and people are leaving notes and seashells oh no this goes way beyond uh, seashells and and little notes and you know pieces of apples. This is, this is a big deal. So uh, here, we're gonna give this just a moment. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about uh, the kinds of things you built and constructed and um, the story that developed inside the Firefly Forest in a moment.